Aren't you glad this morning that God's grace is not wish fulfillment or rumor, but that it is truth? As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, we continue in our grace-filled sermon series, um, which we will stay in, just so you know, through the Advent and Christmas season. No Christmas sermon series this year, but uh, we will, um, just so you know, you can go ahead and plan at our first week gathering, which is the first Wednesday of December. We will have a discussion on surviving and redeeming the Christmas holidays with grace, right? So we'll get around and sit at our tables and get to meet new people, and it might feel a little Christmassy, I don't know, um, and just discuss what we do at Christmas and some of the challenges we have and encourage each other um, about how we get through it um, and enjoy it. Secondly, we will um, probably at that first week service hand out a uh, four-lesson Christ Central Advent kind of devotional guide, and we'll make that available um, that evening. Um, And of course, throughout this month, we'll have some Christmas songs scattered in our worship song lineup. And finally, you have uh, Pastor Amari let you know that we will have a Christmas Eve service um, on the on Christmas Eve. And uh, so you will get your Christmas fix along the way. Let me really, really emphasize um, what it means for um, us to celebrate with West Charlotte, our daughter church, um, on what, December 8th? Is that what it says? Okay. Um, And uh, I know some of you have community groups, but I recommend that you community groups come out and be a part of that. That is our daughter church. Um, I heard a pastor preach and he said that um, when the scripture talks about raise up a child in the way they shall go, that raise up actually means to get rid of them, right? Like let them go where they can go and live life on their own and that'll make you a successful parent, right? That your kids are raised up and know the Lord on their own and doing their own thing. And so this is a, a particularization service is a celebration of being raised up, right? A celebration of how God has brought that church and that congregation and that vision and that mission in West Charlotte to a place where it has its local ruling um, elders and deacons and women leaders and all kind of things that are, that are really making an impact over there. And so we get a chance to celebrate 
together um, what, what God has done. Um, so as we continue this journey um, together um, in this series, the Grace-Filled series, last week we discovered and uncovered what it means to be thirsty. As in hungering and thirsting for the righteousness of only what uh, righteousness only God can give us. This week, we do a slight turn from last week and look at what it means to receive that righteousness as something not to be earned, but received as a gift from God. What we believe makes us righteous and okay or good in the eyes of God can easily change, right? We all experience, not only with the times, but with how we are feeling about ourselves that day or how we're feeling about others in the moment or over an issue after a personal or moral failure in your life or the inability, rather, to live up to the hype or, or missing all of the jumps through religious hoops that have been set up by us or set up by others. And the uncertainty of what makes us righteous or acceptable sometimes is like a roller coaster of feelings and it changes. But, but the uncertainty of what makes us righteous or acceptable before God has caused and causes more turmoil. And I'm going to say controversy in our spiritual lives and churches and communities of faith than we may be aware of for our spiritual stability, for our integrity right? For the foundation of what it means to have a relationship with God, a loving relationship, and a loving relationship with others around us, we must remember and believe that righteousness, the righteousness of God is a gift, and the righteous are gifted, which means three things from this passage. First, no one is righteous, Right? You can write that down. No one is righteous. Secondly, righteousness, and, and I love the song we sang this morning about double-double, but righteousness is doubly impossible. That's the second point. Doubly impossible. And finally, righteousness is to be received. Received. In the first two chapters, God, through the Apostle Paul in this book of Romans, confronts three groups living um, in Rome and hanging out in the church and church community at the time. First, um, we see he addresses legalistic Jews, right? Secondly, the moral Greeks, I want to call them. And finally, um, the reprobates, right? And for this sermon, let's call them the godly, right? The good and the um goods, okay? The godly, the good, and the um good, right? Paul is declaring and concluding here that righteousness belongs and is mastered and earned by no one. Not the godly, not the good, and certainly not the umgoods. Let's rehear what he says in, in these verses in, in verse 12, in verse 10 through 12. It says, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And then look what it says further in verse 22. The righteousness, righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Um, for there is no distinction. 
And, and this is the verse I'm getting to. For, verse 23, for all have sinned. And all carries over, okay, fall short of the glory of God. Now, we will not be going back to explore the backdrop set for such statements that he gives in the first two chapters. I, I urge you to go back and look at chapter one and chapter two. But the Bible is saying, even if you are godly, small g, meaning you live according, right? I'm, I'm gonna define it this way, that, that you live according to the rules and laws and governing uh, relationship with God, that, that you are not made righteous or declared righteous by living and doing your best to live good and for him. And we'll go deeper into the law the next sermon we preach from this series about where is the law and all this? Where are the rules and regulations when it comes to living a grace-filled life? We'll talk about that next time. But the simple point is religious people are not made religious, righteous rather, by being religious. By being rule followers, by making themselves feel good before God, by wearing the right things and, and listening to the right music and watching the right things on TV and not using all the bad words and not smoking this or drinking this. By making themselves feel good before God and others based on doing and outwardly performing even what the Bible says. But he deals with another group here, right? The good. Those I would describe as maybe not so churchy, right? Not so, you know, go to church every Sunday, all religious. Maybe they're, you know, they're spiritual, right? They, they, I don't belong to no denominations. I don't belong in a church, right? But they are the socially conscious. They're the ones doing good in the community. They're doing good in the world. They figured out the nature of, of, of human law, the law of human nature, rather. Following the law, what is, and following, rather, what is basically clear about being good to people. You know, everybody knows what it means to be good. To be good to all people who have written and living according to the moral laws on their hearts. Right? This is hard, but, but we're talking about people who may have no formal relationship with God, right? They're not like Jews and, and that Paul is talking about. Possibly they're agnostic or they're atheists or like I said, they're spiritual, you know, they, they, but, but not directly and devotedly driven or led by any Bible. Maybe they take a little bit of what Jesus says, a little bit of what Buddha says and Confucius and whatever comes up on TED Talks, right? They just kind of mix it up. But they're the kind of people you're glad live in your neighborhood. Right? Yeah, because they, they are taking care of their minds and their bodies and, and possibly do yoga. They're centered. And they're like, they're so responsible in the city. Right? If you want to know how to vote, follow these people around. They love everybody. They've watched all the documentaries and they got it all. They're good law abiding citizens. And for some of us, they're just those good red blooded Americans, right? Just doing good. Because the Bible is saying here, nice try. Nice try. I've been places and around people, and I'm thinking, man, if only Christians.
Christians could act like these people, right? These are real good people. Well, we say salt of the earth, not the Bible salty, but salt of the earth. I don't want them Christians in my neighborhood. I want these folk. They're going to invite you over. They're going to feed you, right? They're not going to give you the cheap liquor. I'm sorry. That, that came out wrong. That came out wrong. Wrong church. Wait, we Presbyterian, not Baptist. Okay. Just checking. Just che- but even that, Presbyterians, just being Presbyterian, make it righteous either. But Paul says in verse 12, good try, but no one does good. It, and that means no one does good enough to say they are good and righteous before the God of the Bible. Oh, yeah, they're good and righteous for us. But he's saying, okay, let's look at what, what the Lord requires, not what we think makes us okay. So he's saying, before God, that ain't good enough. And then finally, a group that is briefly referred to in chapter one, it's not a formal um, uh, it, 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 calling out of them, but people I want to describe as the ungoods, the lawless, the people who are just about what makes them feel good, right? The folks who are feeding themselves, their desires, their drives, those who follow their craving, whether it hurts others or themselves. We don't care about community. We don't care about what's right. What's right is what makes me feel good. Romans calls them the reprobate, right? They don't have a law of God. They don't have a law of community. They're just, they are their own law. Paul says here um, that, that their pleasure, at their pleasure, is their God and moral code. Paul says here, you've turned aside. You don't understand. You don't even think about righteousness outside of yourself. And you're good. You might be good, but God is not good and others aren't good, which makes you out of order and unrighteous before the Lord. The good, the godly, the ungoods are all not righteous before a perfect and holy and loving God and all their attempts or lack of attempts, the apostle is saying. And before we try to figure out which category, I know y'all doing it right now, I think I'm the godly category, right? Well, I don't want, I'm a Christian, but I, I'm more like the middle category where I'm socially conscious. You know, I'm, 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 I'm there, right? Before you try to figure out which category we fall into, I want us to see, as I read Romans and, and looked over the whole thing, and go, I want you to see that these categories are not only external traits, they are internal traits as much as their external behaviors. What am I saying? The Bible is suggesting that we all have a little of all of these not righteousness categories at work within us. He wanted to make sure you were covered, right? The, the, uh, under this, uh, what am I saying? The Bible is suggesting that, that, that though we act and deal with them differently in our hearts, we have all, uh, we have all of it mixed up in there. Let's face it. Every single one of us operate, act like we're super spiritual when we want to be in religious. And then you go to another room or a different situation and don't. 
And a lot of us like to tell people don't do this or, or that in some way to justify ourselves. Or we just want the blue ribbon of acceptance and power and relationship of just being good people and living and commending ourselves for being moral in our heritage, politics, family values, philosophy for how society should run, being heroes and saving the world and the lack of justice. We all wear the S on our chest or work as the vigilante avengers of righteousness in some way. And then without fail, we all are I'm good, where we fall and fail to the lowest common denominator, where we just say, I'm tired of trying to be good. You ever said that? Maybe you didn't say it. I say it because I talk everything out. <laughs> Even though somebody's not there. One time I was just talking and walking in the mall, I'm like, people must think I'm crazy. But that's how it ran. I'm verbal. It comes out. Much sin this way, right? Because what's here and here comes out here. That's a problem. And my wife is saying amen. She tries to help me be righteous by saying, Howard, hush. Keep that in. But he ever said, I'm tired. I'm disillusioned with all this good and godly stuff where we just say, I'm tired. I just want to be good. You ever hear that? I just want to be good. I just want to be happy. I got to look out for me. I'm too neglected and hurt. I have to heal and care for myself above all else. I, including following some forsaken religion and faulty, weak, ha happening relationship with an invisible God and all his hypocritical people. We all do it. And we call it stepping out on authenticity. I want to be authentic. Forget all these church people. Forget all these godly living, right? Regardless of where we most outwardly live and lean, regardless of the percentages of godly good and I'm good in our lives, bottom line, not enough. No one is righteous. No one can get righteous. No one does righteous enough to be right before God and turn the guilt and weight and results of that sin against and in them. And I know that's causing a little irritation under the Bible belt we live in, right? All have sinned. Fallen short of the glory of God. I don't know if I made it clear. Religion will not save you. If you thought coming here this morning was going to save you, I'm sorry. Right? Being a good person will not save you and me. Being wild and unruly and free will not free you from being guilty of unrighteousness, even though it might make you feel like you're free from the guilt of unrighteousness. Don't get it confused. Where I don't have no law over me, so I'm good. Tired of feeling guilty, right? That doesn't make you, makes you feel unguilty, but it doesn't make you righteous before God. But if the news is not bad enough for us trying to be righteous on our own, being righteous in and of ourselves and our actions is not only impossible, according to this passage, it's doubly impossible, right? You think impossible only, it can't double impossibility. Sure you can Right? Let me explain. Verse 23 here, a very popular verse, well-known verse says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's like a double Decker sandwich right there, right? By doubly impossible, I'm referring to the two sides of being righteous that we fail to do that this verse points to. First, it says what? Before the end. All have sinned. Y'all see that? 
All have sinned. That includes you, right? Wow, I'm in the Bible. Yes, you are right there. <laughs> the Bible don't say nothing to me. Right there. That verse is for those folk. Or that verse, no, it says all have sinned. Wow, you're in the Bible. You're part of the story. The Bible's not mincing words, is it? We're guilty, it's saying. It is saying we have a criminal record of sin before God. That we have done wrong before the Lord and against others and ourselves. Anyone willing to say that they have a clean record? Right? You don't even believe you have a clean record. If you didn't think, if you thought you have a clean record, you wouldn't be running around doing good. Trust me. Right? You, you wouldn't be hiding. You wouldn't be trying to cover it up. Everybody knows they do wrong. But anyone willing to say they don't do wrong to anyone else or have not turned in their actions and hearts and minds against the Lord? Anyone willing to say they have never lashed out or been mean and unhealthy with your spouse, with your kids? You ever feel vengeful and then follow through on it? With the one you vowed to love, right? All have sinned, right? Anyone, you know, just think bad about that person that cut you off, right? In the line. Sometimes I just get irritated. It's funny. Harrison and I, we similar in how we see things, right? It's certain things. And we show up to Popeye's to get the chicken sandwich. And we turn, and you're like, please, when I turn this corner where I can see Popeye's, Please, don't let me see anybody in the street, like the line in the street. We turn the corner and ah, and I think, why are they there? <laughs> and Harrison even says it, why? And we even go further, why black people gotta be there? <laughs> why do black people like this Popeye's chicken so much? Go away, black people. Making a line up and all out the door and all hanging out and sweating and waiting. And I'm like angry. Because I want it. <laughs> but I'm feeling angry. Right? That kind of thinking is some kind of sin issue in there, y'all. You know how it feels. You go get the thing you want and everybody else in line getting it. Ah! You just want to kick and punch people out of the way. Quit wanting what I want. What if they run out? You know how angry I'm going to be? I'm going to snatch your chicken sandwich, right? If I get there and they're like, we're out, and I see somebody. Yeah! Even if I don't get there, it's a, they ain't getting it, right? Okay, that, that was a chicken sandwich understanding of all have sinned, right there. But here's the deal. We were guilty, and this is that can't escape record that defines you kind of guilt, right? You are in your core identity, this is saying. A natural born and then acted out spiritual felon at the highest level. There's no plea deals, right, where, where you're not as bad. And Paul's point is that there's not enough religious activity and good works and self-care you can do to shake that, to expunge that, to clear it, to clean it, to change who you are. 
But not only do we have a record of wrong, doing sin, thinking sinfully. See, Jesus takes it to another level. We don't do these things. Jesus, do you think it? Oh, no, really? You making thinking it a sin? Yeah. You, oh, no, dwelling? Yeah. Wanting to kill somebody is a sin? Yeah. Dreaming about getting rid of some folk? Yeah. Right? So it isn't just wrongdoing, wrong thinking, wrong believing, right? We have also, what's the second part after and? What's it say? Fallen short. There's two things there. There ain't one patty, there's two patties, right? You see that? I always think about food. I'm sorry. I've got, got a problem. It's the vegetable patties, okay? Quinoa patties. But so here's how it works. Our sinful nature stops us, right? It makes us unable. It stunts us from walking towards and in God's glory. So this unrighteousness we have to deal with is not just about doing the wrong things, but not being able and failing to do enough good things for the right reasons and motivation. And thinking and believing and motivated by enough good and holiness. See, God, here's a surprise to some people. God created us not just to not be, just not, not create us, not just to be good, right? And not be wrong, right? That would make us objects, right? Like something you set up and as long as it doesn't break, it's good. Right? Like, like a painting on a wall. Great. We love it. It's beautiful. Wow. But we're not objects. No, he created us and crowned us and made us differently than the other creations, calling us to the, glor- to the glory, able to imitate and mimic and respond to God's glory with our actions, with our free actions, God's goodness to God being our God, uh, to reflect who God is in uh, w- what we do, to live out holiness. When we fail to walk in dignity and glory and for the glory and respect of God, and we fail to build it and make it and create it out of respect for God. Guess what we call that? Sin. Missing the mark. Unrighteous. It's it's just like when you ask your teenagers to clean up the house and behave while you're gone. And they've behaved and safe. Nothing's burned down. Ain't no police cars or fire trucks or ambulances out front. Thank the Lord. Sometimes I roll up, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Everybody's inside. Hopefully, right? But things still ain't right, are they? If they are safely and securely inside playing video games on Instagram, watching TV in the middle of a pile of dishes, floor covered in clothing and shoes, right? Plates and cups all over the place. We've been working all day. Where's our meal? Y'all didn't think to make us something? Y'all can cook some eggs, something. Having not done anything wrong, but certainly not doing all they know would please us and what's good for them. Doing what God given dignity and respect for what we desire would have led them to do. Right? We live our lives like if things aren't too bad. Here we go. Or, or we haven't done real bad things. And if we are happy and the basics are done, we good. We righteous. 
But we are living irrespective and disrespecting of who God is if our works, right? If our actions, if we are just getting by and surviving, that we can get by still looking fine in the eyes of some people, that the doing certain things kind of life is missing the mark. You failed. Being righteous means not getting detention or in trouble at school. Also, making the honor roll, being a track star. It's not just staying out of trouble, but perfectly staying on the grind of doing great and glorious things that make God perfectly happy. It means being decorated and covered with honor. And all you do that says, God raised you good. He must be, there must be a perfect God. And I use this illustration sometimes. What if we were to take a shower and then go out without any clothes? Would you be right? Or would we say, dang, right. Right? Wouldn't we say something's wrong with that person? What if they say, I'm clean. I'm so fresh and so clean. Right? We would still say, ah, you, you might be fresh and clean, but something wrong with you, Right? Well, what if you put on clean clothes or cologne over a dirty body? We've all done it. We would still say, she ain't right for that. Right? You ain't clean, but you're doing good things. Great. You still stink. That's slack. Right? God calls that unrighteous. I remember watching the movie American Gangsta where the drug dealer hands out turkeys on Thanksgiving and toys to the neighborhood kids at Christmas. But is making his living passing out poison to the same community. We don't say, man, that guy's good. I got a toy. That's so awesome, right? We say, he ain't right for that. Why do we say differently about ourselves? The apostle is saying we are doubly unrighteous, which makes it doubly impossible to be righteous. You've sinned and you've missed the mark. So where does that leave us? Can the impossibly unrighteous be declared righteous or justified before God? Beginning in verse 21, it says this. But now, oh, I love that. But now, right? Like, like, like you in trouble, Right? You're righteous, you're doubly bad, you got the double patty of of penalty, God's penalty right on you. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law and the prophets, right? Apart from the stuff that declares God's holiness that makes us unrighteousness, right? Apart from the law we have broken. Um, And they bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what's appeared for all who believe. Now list this. For the goods, the godly, and the ungoods, there is no distinction. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And listen to this. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the righteousness that's appeared. 
Righteousness, justification, what we know, some people say, getting saved, right? Coming to faith, being born again, becoming and being a believer must be and is a gift from God. It, the righteousness of God must be received, y'all, as something already bought, already earned by God for you and me and given to you and me. For our unrighteousness, for our standing before God, the Lord gave and gave of himself to be what? Does verse 25 say this fancy word? A propitiation. Now, I'm going to get a little teachy here. Y'all hang in there. Propitiation is a word we don't use a lot. Maybe you can use it and your friends will think you fancy or something. I don't know. We don't use the word fancy, right? Friends will think you're smart, right? Propitiation, right? If your mouth can even say it, you know you're sophisticated, Right? Propitiation is a word that means to atone for. It means to appease. It means to satisfy the penalty or judgment. Now, in the ancient culture, this was originally written in, and especially among the Jews, they would understand propitiation as relating to their animal sacrificial system. All right? Y'all hang in there. That their sin and unrighteous and forgiveness before God required something more than a mail-in fine that you pay, right? It required blood. Now, you've heard people say, and this is the way they put you off, what do you want? Blood? And the answer here is yes. The wages of sin, the penalty of being unrighteous before God, is complete and utter death and perfect, not only death, perfect divine level punishment. It's divine. Now, again, this sermon is a little more theological, technical than normal, again, but, but you need to get this. God allowed in the sacrificial system a forbearance until the final ultimate sacrifice would come to take the sins of the Jews away in Jesus. It was like God allowed them to post bail, right? To have a check-in hearing. You got to go see the hearing, but it's not the final court case. There's no final judgment, but you got to keep going to the hearing, right? You, you under probation, right? And, and the Old Testament sacrifices would do that as a way to lead them to see and open their eyes to see and hope for what God alone could do to finally and fully make them righteous, which he did in Jesus' final sacrifice. But here is the key piece. In the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, this, this, this is how it would work. And I, I'm summarizing it, y'all. There's a lot of technicalities in it. If you want to go back to Leviticus and read it, go ahead, please. But here's the deal. They would find and bring the best and fattest sacrifice, right? That, 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 that Angus beef stuff, right? Like the stuff behind the glass, okay? That, that, that you, you don't go over there, okay? that they would transfer their guilt to that animal sacrifice as a substitute of what should happen to them. Literally, it's why we get the term scapegoat, right? As in maybe sometimes a scape lamb or a scape bull for some, right? Whose blood would be shed for their sins. But get this, not only would it be killed, but then it would be burned. 
grilled, if you will. I'm using this for a good reason. It would be grilled so that the good stuff, right, like a holy barbecue, where the aroma from the good properties and characteristics of that fat lamb or sheep or, or beautiful marbled whatever life of that sacrifice would rise and be given to God to fill him, to delight him, to appease him, to give him his glory. Propitiation then not only means removing or paying the penalty for guilt and sin. Hear me but also to have the beauty and perfection and qualities and properties to burn, to run hot, to work, to be exhausted, to please God, to give glory to God, to have its life, its life given, declared right, the life of that sacrifice declared, and pun is intended here, well done, right, before the Lord. But unlike those Old Testament sacrifices, Jesus, the Son of God, came to be the final and perfect propitiation for our unrighteousness. What perfectly satisfies our righteous requirement and penalty before God? The double unrighteousness, right? Now, there's a fancy word for that. It's called double imputation, right? That Jesus not only took our sins away, our unrighteousness, he took it on like a scapegoat as his own. And he was sacrificed and punished by God before God as our substitute in our place, as we should have been on the cross. And he suffered divine punishment on the cross. But he, like those animals, offered himself, his life, he offered himself and his life, the perfect life he lived, to be burned with the worst pain of punishment rejection any person ever has experienced. And hear this, when Jesus did that, he released from the way he lived his life a perfect, beautiful, pleasing, well done. It's all good. I did it all perfect. Glory to God, aroma and record to God that now has become in him and because of him, our aroma and our record. The other day, a few of us Went and had a cigar. We're not addicted to nicotine or anything. I don't think oh, I'm not. I just, I just wanted to hang out with Amari and Josh. You know, I mean, I didn't mean to call y'all out. <laughs> but it was such a good Presbytery meeting. We had to celebrate. Then we were like, man, that was great. We got some time. Pressure didn't get long. Nobody fought. Nobody argued. Woohoo! We home. We got a nice little cigar shop. Well, let's go on there, you know. Picked out some good ones too. Boy, Amari's, yours smelled amazing. I wanted that. I even bought one. That thing, woo, Lord, the aroma was pleasing. <laughs> so we come back to the office, and Derek was like, Why y'all smell like smoke? Right? <laughs> Simple. We had been in the aroma, right? Our clothing. And I took off my clothes, thought that would help. No, my hair, my skin. Don't talk, your breath, right? Like that, we, we, like that, right? We get to smell, be decorated, be clothed 
in the pleasing life aroma of Jesus. And it doesn't come out in the wash. Jesus' sacrifice not only washed us and cleaned us of the record of guilt, but fully freed us from the penalty and status of sinner by clothing us in his righteousness. He washed us and then put us in the appropriate, the wearable, the record, the standing, the status, status with righteous formal wear. So we stand and declare righteous, no longer unrighteous before God. We stand justified by faith because of Jesus' faithfulness. It was a gift. You know the scripture, many of you, that God so loved the world that he gave his son to save us, to justify us. I'm letting you in on the Christmas, I mean, the, the, the Christian secret. Right? We ain't special. We just were given a gift. So Christians got to stop acting like they special apart from the gift. You know, it's almost Christmas. And so you know what it means to have a gift that is ready to go out of the box? Or already put together? I mean, imagine if you got it for Christmas and your dad's like, you got a bike? Yeah! And it was a box. Right? <laughs> Son, you can ride that bike if you can put it together. No. Right? It would ruin Christmas. That ain't no gift. Right? That ain't a gift. That's something else. Imagine if you're big wheel. Y'all didn't grow up with big wheels. I grew up with big wheels, right? What if the big wheel was not assembled? And he goes, son, God, I've been good to you as a father, right? I ain't even given you the law. I've given you the word. Assembly required. All right. Here's the direction book. Have fun, right? We don't do that to our children. Do you know what it means? I remember many a nights I spent staying up assembling something I knew my boys couldn't themselves and needed me to get right to be given for them, for their use, for their good, for my love for them so they can experience my love, for them to feel loved right now, right then. In Jesus, the God who we were enemies of and lawbreakers and hypocrites and disrespectful of, he took his time, his own faith, get this, his own humility, his humanity. He robbed himself of his own gift and his own relationship with his son to use him and abuse him to assemble, to put together to craft to shape in order to give us righteousness to give us something through him by Jesus to give us something we could actually receive because we would have and do mess up trying to get it for ourselves it can only be a gift then which means it must be received justification is an act it is received. It is received righteousness. It is passive righteousness. Where we've not done anything or able to do anything or the thing that makes us a believer or save us or make us right with God. We couldn't and didn't do it. It happened while we were asleep in our faith, in our sin. It happened while we were doing our own thing. In fact, the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses. And at just the right time, God sent Christ. Just like the kids at night, they go to sleep dreaming, right? The kids in nursery, okay, dreaming that Santa's going to bring them something. 
And mom and daddy sweating and slaving away. Putting it together. Last minute, trying to get the money together to get something. When you were dead in your trespasses, life was put together for you. It makes me think, and I don't know if they use these term, this term anymore. I'm sorry, y'all. But it, believers are like spiritual savants, like idiot savants, right? Where they have been given this gift that makes them righteous before God as people who are spiritually, hear me, I'm, I'm just going to describe us. It's okay if you're un, the friends who ain't believers hear it, right? You've been given a gift that makes, Christians have been given a gift that makes them righteous for God as people who are spiritually unable and disabled and broken in every way like everyone else. But this one thing in their life, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which changes everything. That's why Paul says here in verse 22, there is no distinction between the godly and the good and the I'm good. The gift is for all from God, by God, through God, for unrighteous, and that is everyone. It's a one-size-fits-all gift, which means no one can boast. No one should boast or act snooty or better than if they are believers. They should live with a heart and life of gratitude. Y'all should be walking around just grateful. Right? Living in wonder and surprise and thank you, right? Like orphans who, who were made right and are standing before God, who were washed and clothed and brought and brought into a new life and not, and not a new life, not because they were special. You ain't special and never will be on your own. It was simply because you got the gift of salvation. You were chosen by God's grace to be justified by faith. What would that do if we actually walked in that? I ain't special. I need the gift. I need God's grace. Y'all sing about it. Now we got to live it out. You want to know what it looks like to live holy? Live in the gratitude of being justified by faith. If you live grateful, it's amazing. If we live grateful and thankful for what God's done, how that love transforms how we love others. Before we make too much receiving and the faith thing, I had faith. That's why I'm saved. Getting all religious again. I'm going to have to backstop this. Because the Bible doubles back and even declares that faith, the mechanism, relationship, and position to be in and necessary to receive the gift is itself a gift of God. How you got in the faith room? How you got in the position to receive the gift? You were invited by the Holy Spirit. You didn't even know. Come on in. All right. You, my child. What? The contract's already signed. You mine. I bought you with a price. Think how you would come out of that. Thank you, Jesus. Right? When we sing, it's by your grace I've been saved, man, this place will be set on fire. We'd be going crazy in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
then we think, man, this must be a Pentecostal church or something. This ain't no Presbyterians. Presbyterians should be jumping around more than anybody because they're supposed to believe justification by faith through grace, which is not a you have of yourself, but it is a gift of God. It's not always easy to believe that and live believing that. That's why we come every week, y'all. I hope y'all hear the same thing every week. Pastor Brown, he's just a broken record. Know what the gospel is. Because you need to remind yourself. Right? I heard a gospel song, encourage yourself, right? You, you got to encourage yourself. You have to encourage one another. And not in the way that song probably talking about. But you got to encourage one another. You got to take hold, right? You got to help others take hold and remind you, right, of the gospel, of your giftedness. And it will hurt and harm your pride, I promise you. You'll be like, man, I don't want to hear that again. Don't you know you're loved in Christ? Oh, God, come on, that's, that's corny, that's weak. Tell me what to do. I want you to be grateful. I want you to praise God. I want you to even go to God. Lord, help me! Like he's the gift giver. In this world, isn't it funny that giftedness is never enough? If you tell people, I'm just gifted, no cred for inheriting something. Right, right now, we kind of hard on people if they got the term privileged. <laughs> there is a holy privilege here. Christ is an inheritance to those who haven't deserved it. The gospel's scandalous. It goes against our work ethics. We don't like people who haven't earned it. I, in fact, I like myself when it looks like I earned it. But you know, Christianity isn't about liking yourself. It's a byproduct of loving God. It's about loving God. You and I get what he has earned and deserved, and he took and overcame what we didn't do. Christians are not perfect or spiritually talented. That may come later, gifts and stuff. Or recruits chosen for their stellar track record. We simply have been a passive recipient of God's grace. We are magnificently and amazingly just gifted. Just gifted. And that changes everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is not one place those of us here as we leave can go and not here you have to earn it nothing is a free gift what you gonna do Lord thank you for the good news of the gospel that one message of received righteousness of passive righteousness 
of being in the way of the aroma of Christ, of not burning, not dying for our sins, but just benefiting. You wrote us into to be benefactors, recipients of grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us be grateful in that so that we can live lives motivated by thanksgiving to you. Encourage, help us to encourage ourselves and one another by telling us the gospel again, as weak as it may sound, as elementary as it may sound. Help us, Lord, to to purify that foundational truth in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would even take that elementary truth this week as we go home for Thanksgiving. Help us not to act special. Help us not believe that we're righteous, that we're good, that we're godly in a way, Lord, that that, that justifies us in and of itself before our family and friends who we deem not as good as we are. Help our mouths to open, if if it must, with a story of how we were orphans. And God, by his grace, set his affections on us before we did anything cleaned us, brought us in, and wrote us into his will before we did anything good or anything bad. Help us to communicate that. As we sit around that table this weekend, Lord, and and for those of us who have Thanksgiving, Lord, if we think about Thanksgiving, let us be thankful for what you have given. And let everything else fall behind that in proper space and proper order. Thank you, Lord, for making your kids gifted. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.